Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly of God podcast. Please join us at 9 and 11 a.m. at the main campus and 11 a.m. at the Monk's Corner, Remount, and North Charleston campuses. Thank you for listening. We hope that God blesses you through doing so. Uh, it's good to see you guys today. God bless you. Great to have you this morning. Uh, how many are excited, ready for the Word of God today? We're right in the middle of 40 days of love, and uh, Larry the Love Doctor is back today in the house and ready to share with you from God's Word today. Take your Bibles out. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. talks about love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verse number five. Let's stand together for the reading of God's word. Hey, well, let's just start with verse four. It may not all be up there, but we'll get to it. Uh, let's read it together. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Everybody say that with me. It is not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Father, today, as we open up your word, I pray, God, you'll open up our hearts and we'll receive it. I pray, God, that the peace of God that passes all understanding will begin to guard our hearts and guard our minds and you'll do your work in us and i i pray god that those who have been struggling with anger and hurt and pain and bitterness god that there'll be some real healing that'll happen today through your holy spirit and through your word we ask it in jesus name amen now turn to someone and tell them that they really needed that extra hour of sleep they look a whole lot better today and then you may be seated In fact, some of you were actually on time this morning. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> Got here a little early even. Uh, that's great. Anger is one of those emotions that really can be misunderstood. It, it's kind of hard to get a handle on it and wrap your mind around it. And I think in some ways we've got to understand, first of all, that not all anger is bad. Not, a- anger is not a sin. Uh, you see that God, one of the attributes many times that you see the anger of God, the anger of God to Satan, the anger of God to sin. And, and any of God's anger, of course, was based in who he is and God is love. And because God is love, that anger, he's angry with things that destroy families and homes and lives. And so he gets angry with that kind of stuff. And so anger itself is not bad necessarily. The problem is not anger. The problem is the inappropriate expression of anger that we deal with. How do we express this in our lives? How how do we do that and uh, express it properly? Uh, No one is taught growing up uh, how we handle anger. Uh, Bad reactions, what happens is because 
poor modeling from mom and dad, if we're not careful, can be passed down from generation to generation. And so the way we handle anger is the way our daddy handled anger. And if your daddy beats you unmercifully, you're going to beat your kids unmercifully. And it kind of goes on down. If he yelled at you and screamed at you, you're going to yell and scream at your kids. And it kind of goes from generation to generation. And as a result, we live in a nation and filled with rage. Because it perpetuates itself from generation to generation. So we've got to go back to God's word. We've got to find out how do I deal with anger? What are appropriate responses and what are inappropriate responses? How do I handle this? So we're going to dig right into it today from God's word. I encourage you to follow along in your Bibles. And we're going to learn and grow together. Because every one of us need to hear this message this morning. How do we handle it? We tend to usually go to two extremes. When talking about anger, uh, one extreme is to, uh, when you're angry, clam up and you get quiet and you bottle it all inside and you pack it all in and you are angry and seething on the inside, but maybe no one knows it on the outside. And the other extreme is let it all out. You're kind of like that volcano that erupts and you let it all out and you give it to whoever's close by at the time. Uh, it's kind of like the turtle. And the skunk. The turtle, when he senses anger coming, he pulls his head in his shell. And he retreats and he hides out. The skunk simply spews uh, spews it all over the place. And stinks. And he lets it all out. And, and, And what happens is you get in a marriage and a turtle marries a skunk. How many know that can be a recipe for disaster? And you got one who, one partner, either the wife, the male or the female, lets it all out and explodes and it doesn't take a whole lot, short fuse and it all comes out. And you have the other one who kind of is the shrinking violet, who retreats, who, who bottles all on the inside, who, who presses it all down. And when you have these two opposites, when the turtle and the skunk marry each other, you've got a recipe for disaster. So we've got to talk about how we handle this and, and how we deal with this kind of anger. And, and the beautiful thing is God's word has a whole lot to say about taming your temper. So I'm going to give you six things this morning that I really believe are going to change some of your lives today. Number one, resolve to manage it. Resolve to manage it. You've got a, you've got a purpose in your heart. I'm going, to, I'm going to get a handle on this thing, and I want to control this. I want to allow the Holy Spirit to help me to control this. And we're going to look at Proverbs. We're going to look at Proverbs a lot this morning. Proverbs is an incredible book on wisdom. You ought to read a proverb every day and go through it and meditate on it and think about it, memorize many of the Proverbs. And Proverbs has a lot to say about anger and how we deal with anger. So let's look at first Proverbs 29 and verse 11. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Now, don't give me this business, I can't control it. I just can't help myself. I don't know where it comes from. I explode, it comes out. I just can't help myself. Let me tell you something. Anger is a choice that you make. Nobody is forcing you to get angry. They're not forcing you to react in a certain way. Don't make this statement. You make me so mad. Nobody can make you mad without your permission. Let me run that by you again. It's a great statement. No one can make you mad without your permission. You can control it. You have a choice in the matter. It says a wise man keeps himself 
under control. It is something you can do. It is something you can control. You have more control than you think you do. Let me see if I can illustrate it for you. How many have ever had this happen? Don't raise your hands. But you and your wife are at it. I mean, you are at it, and, and I mean, tempers are flaring, and you're yelling at each other, and the voices are raised, and it's really tense in the house. And all of a sudden, the phone rings. And you pick up the phone and say, oh, hello, how are you doing today? You've been yelling one moment, and, and the next moment, all of a sudden, that phone rings, and you pick up the phone, and you cut it off just like that. You say, honey, it's for you. Don't tell me you can't control it. You can turn on a dime. Anger is highly controllable. You can change when you want to change. And it proves it by that phone call coming in. Listen listen to the last part of that verse. A wise man keeps himself under control. The word keeps implies a choice or responsibility. And so we need to begin to resolve to manage our anger before we get into those very hot situations. Now, we resolve to manage our anger now. We come to church on Sunday. It's a peaceful environment, great presence of the Spirit of God today. So this morning, we've got in our own hearts and minds begin to resolve to manage our anger. We've got to get a handle on this thing. The time to do it is not when your blood pressure is rising. The time to resolve to manage your anger is not when the adrenaline is flowing through your body or your nerves are on edge or or your face is flush and your muscles are tense. It's already too late. You've already lost the battle. And so resolve to manage your anger right now before you get into those kind of situations. Decide before you go home, Lord, today. I want you to control my anger and my temper and my emotions. God, you help me. It's been a rough day. Help me not to take it out on my wife. Uh, ladies, you're mad. You're angry. Uh, resolve ahead of time before you get into those explosive encounters that God, with your help, I need your help to manage this anger now. Before you go into that conference room and there's that heated debate or that heated discussion, you say, Lord, you help me to control myself. Help me to talk in a right way. Uh, help me guard my speech, guard my tongue. Uh, choose today that I'm not going to let them accept me upset me anymore i'm not gonna let that person infuriate me today so choose to manage your anger number number two remember the cost remember the cost proverbs 29 and 22 says this an angry man stirs up dissension and a hot tempered one commits many sins There's always a price to pay for our anger. It it, it comes back to haunt us later. Listen to Proverbs 14, 17. A quick-tempered man does foolish things. Uh, Statistics show, um, and I don't know how they come up with these things, but I'll just share it with you, that when a person is angry, really mad, he loses 50% of his IQ. When you're angry, when you're mad, you lose just right away, 50% of your IQ goes out the door. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't afford to lose 50%. (laughs) I don't have a whole lot to begin with. And and, and the 50% loss of IQ would be devastating. And and, 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 and the problem is uh, when we're angry, we do stupid stuff. We do silly things. The brain just isn't engaged. It's not working right. And, and, and we do embarrassing things when we get angry. And as a result, we lose out. Um, here's a quotation. 
You always lose when you lose your temper. That's a pretty good statement. You always lose when you lose your temper. What do you lose? You can lose your reputation that it's taking years to build up. You can lose your res- the respect of other people. I've seen people lose their jobs because they lost their temper. Someone came to me the other day. I, I, they were out of work. This is several months ago now. And I, I said, well, how did you happen to lose your-? Well, I got mad and, I, and I, I, I yelled at my boss. I said, well, yeah, and now they're out of work. And now they're poor and begging for money. And I, I say, just keep your temper. You'd have never lost your job in the first place. They lose a sale. You can lose the love of your family. You can lose your health. There's a high cost to, to pay for anger. Uh, here's another quotation. When I, when I swallow my anger, my stomach keeps score. That's a good one. When I swallow my anger, my stomach keeps score. Your body was not designed to handle all that internalized rage and anger. So we got people with ulcers and all kinds of other sicknesses and and diseases because they're bitter and they're angry and they got wrath and they bottle it all up in the inside and they carry that guilt and that resentment and that anger and they get sick. The body wasn't meant to handle that. It's not so much what you eat, it's what eats you. Several good quotations there. Uh, parents, the way you handle your children is, is going to have a great effect on the way they grow up and, and your relationship in the home and the family. And if you are overly angry and you lose your temper with your kids and uh, you try to scare your kids into doing something, you always leave your home by threat and punishment. It may work in the short term to cure the to maybe... Uh, fix their behavior, immediate behavior, but in the long term, it can have devastating consequences uh, because what will happen is it'll produce more anger and more apathy and more alienation in your own children. Uh, there's a kind of a cycle you can take your kids through if you're not careful. The, the first thing that will happen is when you are very angry all the time with your kids, you're overly angry, you're borderline abusive. When all those things are, are happening when you're raising your kids, here's the cycle that's going to happen in your own children. They're going to get angry back. So angry parents are going to raise angry kids. And then from the anger, uh, it moves on to apathy. And so pretty soon they begin to think, you know, I can't please mom and dad anyway, so why try? And as they get older, they just give up and they throw in the towel and they don't even try anymore. And then the third thing, it goes from anger to apathy and last to alienation. Finally, the relationship is broken. That bond between father and son or or mother and daughter or your children, whatever it might be, nothing can destroy a relationship with your own kids quicker than anger uncontrolled remember there's a high cost of anger number three reflect before reacting this is some great advice today get this one reflect before reacting and we get this in proverbs nineteen eleven. A, a man's wisdom gives him patience a man's wisdom Gives them patience. In other words, put your mind in gear before you put your mouth in action. Think about it first. Think about it first. Anger control is usually a matter of tongue control. That's why James chapter 3, that whole chapter on the tongue, it's like a small fire. And if we can't control our tongue, it'll set everything around you up 
ablaze. And so anger control usually involves tongue control. When something gets your goat, when something ticks you off, when something irritates you, when something drives you crazy, don't respond immediately. Now, the temptation is to to write that hasty email back before we think it all out. And then it's in print, and you've hit send, and it's out there. Don't talk back immediately. Wait till you respond. Uh, Thomas Jefferson used to say, when you get angry, count to 10 before you do anything. And then he said, but if you're really angry, count to 100. Sometimes 10 seconds doesn't do it. Delay is good. The longer you hold your temper, the more it improves your chances of having a peaceful resolution. So, so to use the common terminology today, chill out. Just chill out. Give yourself time to think and time to reflect. You can't put your foot in your mouth when it's closed. Think before you speak. There have been so many times, oh, so many times I have said things. And the words are out there. And as soon as he goes out, you go, oh. You just want to grab it and pull it back. He's like, where'd that come from? Why, why did I say that? And you say things and you think about it later and it haunts you and it drives you nuts because you didn't. Uh, wisdom always gives time for patience. Think before you speak. Uh, if you'll delay, it can be a great remedy to your anger. But to not delay... Uh, can create all kinds of disaster. Now, when I talk about delaying in uh, reflecting before you react, uh, when I talk about delaying, when I talk about using patience, I'm not talking about delaying for a week or a month or even a day. Because the Bible also says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. So I'm talking about giving that 100-second count. I'm not talking about carrying it over to the next day or the next day or the next day because if you do that, if you delay too long, what happens is that anger can create bitterness. And it grows. And it becomes sin. And it can have a devastating effect in your marriage. It can have a devastating effect in all your relationships uh, because it is not dealt with properly. And so anger turns to resentment and resentment becomes bitterness. And bitterness, the Bible says, is a sin. And so I'm not talking about delaying for days at a time. I'm talking about delaying for a short period of time so you can think about what you're going to say, so you can think about how you're going to respond, so you think about how you can carry on peacefully with uh, the other person. It's okay when your blood pressure is rising and your voice starts rising up and your heart starts racing to say, time out. Let's take about five minutes. Take a break here. Let's think this over. Let's come back with cooler heads and take time to reflect. Now, when I say reflect before you react, reflect in this way. Ask yourself why you're angry. You see, anger is a symptom, not the cause. So if you're angry, there's got to be a deeper root cause involved in the whole process. And so we've got to ask ourselves, why am I angry? I want to give you three root causes to anger and jot these down there. Uh, and, and hopefully, and, and as I give these, begin to think about your own heart and some anger you've been carrying and holding on to. Uh, maybe we'll get down to the core of it right now. Uh, the, the first reason people get angry is they get hurt. Hurt creates anger. 
That can be physical hurt. It can be emotional hurt. But it can all lead to anger. For example, and I've done this on many occasions, you're out there, men, you're hammering on the job, and you hit your finger, you hit your thumb, and it hurts. And you want to yell and cry out, and you get angry. How could I be so stupid? And the finger's throbbing and swelling up, and the pain creates anger. And so because you hurt, it leads to anger. Uh, they say that the guys who walk, work the ponds and try to get all the golf balls out of the ponds, when they go in there and get all the golf balls, they're also hauling out golf clubs. Now, now, how many guys have gotten anger and, and, and they throw their putter into the pond close by or their pitching wedge or whatever it is, and they, they, they throw it away because they are so mad because they missed that putt or they missed that chip shot, and the next thing to do, their, 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 their blood turns and they throw the golf club into the water. Let me tell you guys something. It wasn't the club's fault. Don't take it out on that poor little golf club. And so hurt sometimes uh, will produce anger. And so you've got to ask yourself, why am I hurting? What's the source of that, of that pain? What is making me so angry or on edge? Or why am I short with everybody? Number two, frustration. Frustration can create anger. Uh, now, now why, why does frustration occur? Frustration is a result of being irritated when our goals are delayed. For example, you've got to be somewhere and you're sitting in a traffic jam. And you're, the clock's ticking and you're going to be late and you've got to see somebody, you've got to get there. And all of a sudden there's a wreck up the street and all the traffic's shut down, blocked down. And all of a sudden just everything starts to boil over in your heart and your mind and you just, that anger starts to rise. What is happening is it's a result of a frustration over something you cannot control. We want to control everything. And so when things happen that are out of our control, uh, some anger can result. High control people are also high angry people. Let me run that one by you again. Got real quiet on this one. There's a lot of high control people in this house today. I can see that. High control people, people who've got to always be in control, always in charge of their surroundings, their environment, also are typically high angry people. Because we just can't control everything like we want to. Let me, let me illustrate this for you. Young parents, mom and dad, got that first little baby, that first one on, on the way. And they're, they're taking care of that baby and it's nighttime and it's 3 o'clock in the morning and that baby's crying. And you want desperately to sleep. And you just take that baby. And mother's tried to feed the baby and it's not working. And you've checked the diapers. You've done the basics, food, diapers, and it's still not working. And all that baby does is lays there and cry. And because that's out of your control, because you don't understand why that's happening, uh, if you're not careful, anger can begin to arise. And some parents even take that anger and cast it over to that child. Now, that's, that's a small illustration. But now let's take that same child 15 years later. And all of a sudden, that 15-year-old little girl is running with the crowd, running with some guys that you know are bad news, 16-year-old, 17-year-old. And, and you have less and less control over what that child does. And you can control your environment in the house. But when she goes out 
and she goes to see her friends, and you don't know what's going on, and fear begins to grip your heart, and panic begins to set in, because now, suddenly, you're out of control. That leads to frustration. Frustration explodes in anger, and now the teenage daughter comes in, and the teenage son comes in, and you're jumping all over their case, and you're angry, and you're mad. Why? Because what was the cause? What's the root cause? It's frustration over something you were unable to control. And I want to tell you, it happens all the time with teenagers. Frustration can be a cause of anger. And then third, fear. Fear can create anger if you uh, feel, fear, feel threatened or you feel like you're being attacked or someone's coming against you and it's against your personage, it's against who you are. We react with anger because of fear. Uh, anger and insecurity go together. Now let me run that statement by you again. Anger and insecurity go together. If you base your feelings on your self-image or how you feel about yourself, or even if you base your feelings on what other people think about you, you'll be getting angry all the time because what's going to happen is people disappoint you. People let you down. People turn on you. And when others don't meet your needs or others don't show appreciation for what you're doing, what happens is we often respond in anger. So anger becomes a symptom of a deeper cause of fear. Fear of what people think or fear of how people are going to respond. Why? Because what happens is you're looking for other people to meet your needs. uh, But I want to tell you, only God can meet your needs. You're depending on others, but people will always, always disappoint you. Let me give you another illustration. People are angry right now on Wall Street. And so they sit in groups and they chant and they wave signs and they spend days at a time out there. And so they're in Wall Street, they're in San Francisco, they're in Chicago, they're in our major cities, and, and they're, they're all angry and they're protesting in the streets. Why? Because they're looking to the government to meet their needs. The government will never meet your needs. Your needs can only be met by God. Uh, You look at groups, look at radical militia groups, look at skinheads, neo-Nazis, look at gangs today in our cities all across America today. You look at the gangs today in America. Listen, they are filled by extremely insecure people. They don't like themselves. They feel put down, they're outcast, they're ostracized, and as a result, they say, if I can't get your approval, I will get your attention. And and, and the root cause is, is fear. If kids don't get parents' approval, they will somehow attempt to get your attention, one way or the other, and often through wrong and heartful and hurtful ways. And and basically it all stems from insecurity. And because they're insecure, they're they're, they're looking for approval. They're, They're looking for, I love you and I care about you unconditionally. And they want that. They want some kind of a validation and approval in their lives. But if they're ignored, if they're cast out, if they the approval doesn't come, they will then turn to get your attention. And to get your attention they do Negative, destructive things. You need to listen to what's behind the anger. Is it fear? Is it hurt? 
Is it frustration? What, what's driving? What's, what's pushing your anger? And, and that will only happen if you take time to reflect first. Reflect first. Uh, think about it. Reflect before you react. Number four, release your anger appropriately. Release your anger appropriately. Ephesians 4 and 26, and in your anger, do not sin. It says anger in itself is not a sin, but in your anger, do not sin. So the way you respond to anger, the way it comes out, then that can become a sin. So he says, in your anger, do not sin. There are right and wrong kinds of anger. It's all in the way you express it. Now, let me help you guys out this morning. There's a lot of junk out there today that you're going to hear in pop psychology on these talk shows on TV or the latest book you'll read. One of the things they say is always get your anger out. Just let it out. It's the empty bucket theory that somehow we take this big bucket of all our anger and all our wrath and we yell at somebody, we yell at the sky, we uh, get it all out, we all that bottled up tension and anger, I just yell and I express it and I get it out and now my bucket is going to be empty. There's one problem with that line of psychology. Listen, you don't have a bucket of anger, you have an anger factory. So as soon as you let it all out, that factory begins to produce more. That's why that psychology is a bunch of baloney. Let it out. Let it out. Don't ball it up. Don't keep it inside. Just empty the bucket. And as soon as you empty one bucket, it's full again. You know, usually vented anger produces more anger. You're just angry people. It's not the bucket that's a problem. So you emotionally vomit on somebody else, all of your anger, all of your wrath. You let it all out. And then somehow you think, oh, the rage is gone. I feel better now. And all of a sudden the anger is reproduced all over again. It does not work. Anger produces more anger. It is a habitual pattern. Listen to Proverbs 15 and verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. So there's the, there's the whole problem scripturally with this let it all out theory. A harsh word just kind of stirs it up and produces more. Have you ever noticed when you get angry, your voice starts to raise, rise, rise, raise, whatever. It goes up. And a uh, person gets louder. And then the other person you're talking to gets louder. And then you get louder, and it escalates. It never just kind of goes down. Uh, it, 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 it just automatically goes up. If you want to de-escalate anger, what's the word say? A soft answer. Turns away wrath. Calm down. Get quiet. Let the blood flush out of your head. Talk low. Talk slow. And process the problem. Now, Dealing with anger in the right way. How, how do you deal with anger? I want to give you just a few things very quickly. Jot these down. He, he, I'll give you some wrong ways, and then I'll tell you how to really handle it. Number one, don't suppress it. And by suppress it, I mean continually stuff it inside. Uh, and what happens is if you keep suppressing it, you keep pushing it down, it becomes that trash, proverbial trash can that you jump in the trash can and you uh, step on it and you just keep pushing it down in there until finally the last time garbage bag you put in there just kind of pops out and goes everywhere all over the street. The trash can falls over. It all comes out. It's a mess. It's like taking the Coke bottle and shaking it all up. 
and you stir it up, and then you open the Coke bottle, what happens? It spews all over the place, and you get a good laugh, and somebody else gets really angry. Uh, don't, don't push it all down. It eventually will explode. It will, it will come out. It will manifest itself in an appropriate way at some point, or if you keep suppressing it, it will take its toll on your body. Number two, don't repress it. Now, repress it. By that, I mean don't deny. Don't say, I'm not angry. Not me. Nah. It, it, it's, uh, have you ever, husbands and wives, ever talk to your wife? Say, uh, honey, uh, something upsetting you? I'm not mad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not mad, no. And you say, well, what I do wrong? What, what's, what's the matter? Where, you know, it, help me out here. Explain this to me. I'm not mad. If you don't know, I'm not going to tell you. Hey. Okay. <laughs> you start going over the things you did for the last five years. Well, okay, what, what did I do? Where's this coming from? And uh, I'm not mad. But the problem is repressed anger leads to depression. Depress. Repress. Repressed anger leads to depression. And so when you push your anger down, when you deny your anger, you deny this there, you don't deal with it in an appropriate way, it leads to depression. And we've got a, a myriad of people depressed. The number one cause for marriage incompatibility. Uh, and, and by the way, that incompatibility is probably a word that divorce lawyers have made up. Well, you're incompatible, so get a divorce. And so because we're in, you know, there's no reason, it's just we're incompatible. Uh, how many know every husband and wife are incompatible naturally? It, it, the word incompatibility, incompatibility is just another word for selfishness. Selfishness says, I want what I want, when I want it, and how I want it, and you want what you want, and that's two different things. And so my ego faces your ego, and we call it incompatibility, but in reality, it is just pure and simple selfishness. It's all about me. It's all about getting my way. It's all about, uh, uh, it. and so if you want to to solve that problem, let me give you two simple words. And, and this is marriage counseling, many hours in two minutes. Grow up. You can pay me later for that counseling session. <laughs> Charge 150 bucks an hour. Incompatibility is another word for immaturity. Any two people can learn to get along with each other if they are willing to grow and think of the other person more than themselves. Real simple. Grow up. Now, the third thing is you don't, first of all, you, 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 you don't repress it. You don't push it down. Uh, but the third thing is you don't express it. Don't express it. When you express anger, you tend to create more anger. So there's, there's the, uh, the other way. And, and let me give you some different ways we express our anger. I'm going to give you these quick because uh, time is clicking. Uh, number one, some of you guys have a black belt in sarcasm. You got that kung fu tongue. Yeah, yeah, ooh, ah, 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 ah. 
You can cut them in two with your tongue. You got that great wit. You got that great sarcasm. And, uh, but this relationships can be destroyed with sarcasm. There's always a little bit of truth in those veiled words you say. And people know that. And it just hurts so bad. Number two, uh, an improper way to express it is, is manipulation. Manipulation. Manipulation says, uh, I don't get mad, I get even. And so you plot in your mind how you can manipulate, how you can get even, how you can settle the score. And so this manipulation goes out and you figure out a way to hurt and destroy the person who has hurt you. Manipulation. Number three, it's what I call Mount Vesuvius. I've already talked about that. You just blow up and hot lava comes down all over the place and leaves a destructive path wherever that lava flows. Mount Vesuvius, improper way. Here's a fourth way. It's the powder. The powder. Some of you, this is quiet in here. Some of you guys are, you know, I'm, I'm, you're, you're picking out which one you are. And so, uh, scary. The powder. It, that's the one that says, poor me. Mary Martyr. Nobody likes me. I'm going to eat worms today. And it just, and you just feel so sorry for yourself and you pout and you put on a show and, 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 and what happens is the powder in some ways that can become a form of manipulation because everybody around you walks on eggshells, uh, lest they upset Mary because Mary is going to walk around and let everybody know how rough she has it. And all my kids don't appreciate me. And my husband doesn't appreciate me. And nobody loves me. And, and, and all of a sudden, the, the whole atmosphere of the house, everything becomes miserable in that house. Because somebody hasn't got their way. And they're going to pout for the next four days. Don't upset Mary. We don't want her to go off again. Improper ways of handing manipulation or, or, or anger. And number five, it's what I would call simply crazy behavior. It's people who are angry, so I'm angry, I'll go out and do some drugs. Or I'm mad today, let me just find a bar somewhere. Let me, I'm, I'm mad now, I need about three drinks to unwind here. And so it's crazy behavior. It's, it's an improper way of handling your anger. Let, let, let me tell you what is really bizarre. Crazy behavior. Listen to this statement. My husband had an affair, so I'll show him. I'll go out and have an affair. That's, that's crazy, lunatic ways of dealing with anger. It's, it's self-destructive, crazy behavior. The only way to deal with anger is you don't suppress it, and you don't repress it, and you don't express it in negative ways. The only way to deal with it is confess it confess it give it to god tell god about it talk to him about it i I, I like the way david handled his anger he talked to god about it he shared his his heartaches he shared his frustrations he shared his pain so as you read the psalms and you read the writings of david when he's hiding or running from saul and he's dealing with these difficulties and the pressure when ziglag has been destroyed when when he goes back and the city he left has been destroyed by fire and they've taken his wives and kids and everybody else out of there. How, how does he handle it? He takes it to God. Confess it. Take it to the Lord. Say, God, I'm hurt. God, I'm frustrated. God, I'm scared. I don't know where this is coming from, but I come to you today. God, help me. That's the proper way to deal with anger. 
Number five, repattern your mind. Repattern your mind. Uh, Romans 12 and 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, the, the way most people express anger is a learned response. I said it earlier. It's the way you learn to handle anger from your mom and dad. Someone modeled it for you. You picked that up through repeated behavior patterns. Uh, and so because you receive poor modeling, you're a poor model for your kids. And then those kids grow up to be poor models. Uh, and it gets worse and worse from generation to generation. The good news is you don't have to stay that way. You can break that generational curse uh, that is passed down from generation to generation of abuse and anger and wrath. You can break that once and for all because God is able to, the Bible says, to transform you by the renewing of your mind. He is able to reprogram those bad behavior patterns and change your mind, change the way you act by the Spirit of God. You don't have to stay the way you are. You can change. Great news. You don't have to perpetuate the same behavior that you learn from your parents to your kids. Uh, so stop the insanity, break those chains, uh, and reprogram your mind. What is the world pattern? The world handles anger by repressing or expressing or suppressing. The Bible pattern is confessing. So you reprogram your mind the way I think will determine the way I feel, which leads to the way I act. It all begins in your mind. The way you think affects the way you feel, which determines the way you act. So how do you change your actions? You reprogram your mind. You re allow the Spirit of God to renew your mind. If you fly off, if you show violence, if you explode, you start by changing the way you think. That'll change the way you act or react. Part of the change process, though, you've got to also change your influencers that are around you. Now, if you really are serious about renewing your mind, you've got to change the influencers that are around you. Let me give you the proverb for this. This is a great one. Proverbs twenty-two twenty-four: Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered. Anger is contagious. You can take a, a nice kid and you can put him in a gang and in a year he will be a very angry man or a very angry kid, probably in less time than that. If you're dating somebody, listen to me, with anger issues, break it off. Say, Saranara, Arrivederci, Adios. Goodbye. Whatever other words you can think of. Zane. Just, just, it's done. It's over. Get rid of them. Break off the relationship. It's foolish to marry that person and then somehow think, I'll change him. He'll mellow out. He'll be a nice guy when I get married. <laughs> you know, when, when you have a wedding, a typical wedding, you walk down an aisle, you uh, go to an altar, and then if it's a real sweet package, you sing a hymn. So many weddings today is all alter him. All change him. 
all transform in. And that's what they think is going to happen as soon as they go through that magic little ceremony. I've been through the ceremony. Now I'll alter him. I'll change him. Last year, four million wives were beaten by their husbands. So one year, four million wives were beaten by their husbands. Ten million children were beaten by their parents because they did not know how to control their anger. Number six, maybe the most important of all, get this one. Rely on God's help. Rely on God's help. The solution is not a seminar. It's not a teaching. It's not reading another book. It's not watching Dr. Phil. God is the only one that can change you from the inside. God's change always begins in the heart. It is internal, and so it affects everything else we do. And you know what the Bible says? Listen to this. It's great. Galatians 5, 22. And the fruit of the Spirit is patience. It's, a, it's one of the fruits of the characteristic of Jesus Christ. So if you got Christ in your life, those fruits begin to come out. They begin to, to change and transform all that other junk that's in there. And your relationship and closeness to Jesus will determine the amount of patience you will have. Your closeness to Christ, your spending time with him, your relationship with the Lord determines the level of the fruit production in your life. So you want more love, you want more joy, you want more peace, you want more gentleness, you want more meekness, you want more patience, you want those things in your life, then get close to Jesus. Because the fruit of that relationship are those things I just listed to you. This is, this is good stuff. If you're filled with tension and pressure and anger, it's going to come out. If you're filled with God, almost nothing will make you angry. God's spirit, because God's spirit fills you with joy and peace and patience. Wow. Matthew 12 and 34 says, out of the overflow of the heart, your mouth speaks. The problem necessarily is not your mouth. The problem is your heart. It all begins in the heart. What is in there will come out. And so if anger and tension and fear and insecurity is in there, it's going to come out. If Christ is in there, his spirit is in there, then that's going to come out. Love and joy and peace. You say cruel things to your, your wife, men, listen to me. You say something ugly to your wife or you say something mad to your children and angry and, and, and hurtful. Don't come back and say, well, that's just really not like me. It is you. It's what was on the inside. It's, it's what came out. Don't get the heart dealt with, people. Listen to me. Quit blaming everybody else for your anger. It's what's inside of you. It reveals exactly what's in the heart. If you got bad water in a well, you can paint the well and make it look pretty on the inside. But that bad water is still going to come out. And so you can do all cover up and the cosmetics and patching up and fixing up, but until the heart issues dealt with, and I believe the only one who has the capability to transform your heart is Jesus Christ, is the Lord. If someone has a harsh cutting tongue, 
it reveals what I would say is an angry heart. If someone has a negative tongue, it reveals a fearful heart. If someone has a boastful tongue, it reveals an insecure heart. You know, people that brag all the time are very insecure. If you have a judgmental tongue, it reveals a guilty heart. Remember, the Bible says, be careful in what you judge because you do those things. If you have a nagging, critical tongue, you have a bitter heart. If you're nagging, if you're critical all the time, bitter heart. If you have a filthy tongue, it reveals an impure heart. But if you have a gentle, encouraging tongue, you have a loving, peaceful heart. What's in your heart, guys? So my solution this morning, guys, listen to me. If you're dealing with these, some of these things I've been talking about, you need a heart transplant. A heart transplant. You need God to come in and renew your mind and change your heart. And so like David, we go back to Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Jesus can replace that hurting heart with, and pain that you have and that anger and fear and insecurity with his love. He can replace that frustrated heart uh, with his peace. He can replace that insecure heart with the confidence that only comes from knowing that I am a child of God. My point today is the Lord is all you need. He is all the need to change you, transform you. It is Jesus Christ in him alone. If you depend on other people, you will always be frustrated. But if you'll depend on the Lord Jesus Christ, he can come in and change your heart and renew your mind. And today, this morning, I want to pray the Lord is going to fill your heart and your mind with his love. But it's only going to come if we confess that anger, confess that hurt, confess that stuff to the Lord. And allow God to then begin to reprogram your mind. Thanks for listening. For more, check out faithishere.org.